you will, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Our passage for tonight is Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, which you can be find that uh, page passage on page 944 of the Black Pew Bibles in front of you, and feel free to use that Bible if you don't have your own. Uh, our passage again is, is Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, but I'm going to start reading back in verse 18, uh, which is uh, the passage we looked at last night. We're going to begin in verse 18 and we'll read through 27, but pay special attention to uh, the last two verses, Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. Hear now the word of our Lord. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thus far the reading of God's word. Would you please pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you with thanksgiving that you are a God who does know the hearts of your people. And so we pray for your Spirit's help to understand this passage But in understanding this passage, would you strengthen our faith and help us in our prayers and give us hope, O Lord, when we are low. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanted to begin back in verse 18 uh, instead of starting in verse 26 because uh, really the sermon tonight, if you were here last week, and it's okay if you weren't, but if you were here last week, you might... Notice that that tonight's passage, we're really kind of doing a continuation of what we began last week. If you're here, you will remember, and you've just heard in this passage, that we, as even as God's people, we suffer in this world. We suffer. But in our suffering, as Christians, we know that that suffering will have an end. And that end of suffering for the believer is a glory that is so bright that our current sufferings, the troubles that we're in right now, won't even compare, won't even be a blip on our radar, like a vanishing shadow in the sun 
the glory to be revealed will be that great. But until that day comes, we groan, don't we? We groan. We, we long for the day of Christ's return. And it's not only we who are believers in Christ who know because of God's revealed word that Jesus will return. Creation groans as well. Because creation is under the curse of sin and it, it longs to be liberated from its bondage to decay. And so we in this created world that is under the weight of sin, we live in between the times, as it were. In between the times of, of Christ's work on the cross, where He's already accomplished our justification. That's sure. That's not something that we need to be uh, afraid that we could lose. And yet, there will be a day when He returns, where all the work that He's begun and has already done, it will be completed in full. This passage talks about the full glory of our adoption as children of God when we have our resurrected bodies. But that day has not yet come. And so we groan, we long for that day to be where we truly belong. But with that, we might not recognize what these next verses are telling us. It's not just us who groans, and it's not just the created order that groans. We see in our verses tonight that there is a third groaning. And that groaning is the groaning of God's own Spirit who dwells in us. Groaning of God's own Spirit who dwells in us. And so as we look at these two verses tonight, I I want to make a few observations for us that I think and I hope will help us uh, as we long and look forward to the day of our Savior's return. Well, let's look at verse 26. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The first observation I want us to be aware of tonight from these verses is that even though we live in a time of suffering and we have our groanings longing for the day of Christ's return, we are not left on our own. God does not leave us on our own in the midst of our groanings and in the midst of our weaknesses We're in the midst of our sufferings. There are times when you're suffering and you feel, I'm completely alone. No one understands me. The world is against me. Be reminded that, as God tells us here, He gives us His Spirit to help us. He gives us His Spirit to help us. Likewise, the Spirit helps us. That word help, is, it's an interesting word. Um, you know, we say that word all the time. It's just a small little word. And we, we talk about how I'm going to help my neighbor or we help one another. It's, it's a small word in English. But the, the Greek word in this passage in particular is actually a really big word. It's a complicated word. There's a lot going on in this word, which you don't really think about when you think of the word help. 
And the reason why I bring it up is because I think it's important that we understand when we read verse 26 that the Spirit helps us, we need to know that He's not simply, God's not simply saying, well, I'm going to lend you a hand here, Ben. But rather, the Holy Spirit comes alongside the believer and joins with us in the midst of our sufferings and in the midst of our groanings. You know, sometimes we help other people by maybe giving a piece of advice. Say, I understand what you're going through. Here's what you do. And of course, that's good. That's, that's helpful. Or maybe somebody comes to you and has some financial needs. And so you lend them some money and say, here you go. Uh, this will help you get on your way. And that also is a good, generous thing to do. But when the Bible tells us that the Spirit helps us, it, it's greater than that kind of help. God doesn't look at us and tell us, this is how you do it. He doesn't come to us and say, here's, here's a tip, or here, you do these things and everything will work out. Actually, no, he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm giving you my spirit to join with you in your weakness and in your suffering. Do you see the difference? Do you see this, this little word help? It, the Greek here is saying it's, it's much more than just going to help you along the way. The Spirit comes and is with you and is with you and is helping you alongside you in the midst of your weakness and suffering. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. He is in you. He is with you and He is in the midst of your suffering. And so in those moments and times when you feel, I am alone. Nobody knows. Nobody understands. It may be true that none of us in here might understand what you're going through. But God does. Because the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The Spirit is with you in the midst of your suffering. God gives us His Spirit that we may endure, that we may continue to long and look forward to the day of Christ's return. Now, even though we are, as Christians, when you come to Christ and believe upon Him, we are God's children, sometimes we, we look at that moment of conversion and say, yes, I, I've arrived, I've achieved, you know, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a victor and I've uh, conquered. I don't have anything to worry about anymore. God reminds us, even though you do belong to me, and even though I've saved you in Christ, we still find ourselves with all kinds of weaknesses, with all kinds of troubles and difficulties, different sorts of sufferings. Verse 26, again, the Spirit helps us. He comes alongside and works with us in our weakness. What weakness, you may ask? Well, I think this is a a general, speaking generally, Weakness in general. Generally speaking, you all here in this room have weakness in this life. And, you know, if you spend some time thinking about it, you may not want to admit it, but you might be sitting there and thinking in your mind, yeah, there's a whole list of 
weaknesses that I have. I could run out of ink writing down all the weaknesses that I have. And yet here we see in this verse that God kind of narrows in, zeroes in on one particular weakness that believers have. This isn't speaking of those who don't know Christ. This is speaking of those who do know Christ. Who do know God as their Father. And that weakness that the Spirit helps us with is prayer. Because he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness in the second sentence in verse 26. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. Now notice it's not saying we don't know how to pray. It's saying we don't know what to pray. I wonder if you've ever had that experience before. Where you are planning to come to God in prayer. You go to God in prayer and all you can say Lord, and nothing else seems to be able to come out. You don't even know how to articulate the burdens on your heart, the things that are darkening your life. You don't know how to say them, speak them to the Lord. All you know how to say is, Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to say to you right now. I don't know what to ask you. Lord, what should I even pray for? Sometimes even when we pray, we pray conflicting prayers. It it betrays our uh, inability to know what to pray for. I mean, for instance, if you're in a time of persecution, what do you pray for? Do you pray, Lord, rescue me from this? Or do you pray, Lord, help me to endure through this? Maybe you have other important decisions. They don't all have to be spiritually deep, heavy you know, situations like that. It could be thinking about someone to marry. I don't know, Lord. I don't know. But God knows our weakness. He knows our weakness in prayer. That we don't know what to say. We don't know what to pray for. We, ought to, we, we don't know how to pray as we ought. God knows our weakness. And look at the rest of verse 26 here. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God brings us to our second observation is that we have two intercessors we're not alone and we have two intercessors may seem sound strange to your ears we talk about Christ the son of God as our great intercessor and of course he is we have him as our great intercessor where is Jesus now do you know He is at the right hand of the Father, standing in His body before the throne of grace, interceding on behalf of His people. That's where Christ is, interceding for us in heaven. But we also have an intercessor in our hearts. 
And that's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity who is working in our prayers. Now, this doesn't mean he inspires our prayers. You might think of a muse or something. Uh, you think of, you know, a beautiful sunrise and it's a, or you think of, you know, your, your wife or someone and all of a sudden you're writing poetry and you just feel, I can stay up all night writing and singing songs. I'm inspired. That's not what this is talking about. Tells us the Holy Spirit doesn't inspire us, but rather the Holy Spirit Himself groans. Groans. The Spirit's groaning prayers on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is groaning prayers when we don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to say to you, God. I know I need to say it, but I don't know how. And He's given you His Holy Spirit who dwells in you. God searches our hearts. And we've seen this already earlier in Romans. He, he, he judges the thoughts of our hearts. That's kind of a frightening thought, isn't it? Certain thoughts that I have that none of you will ever know. But God knows them. I think, oh no, I'm under judgment. And yet, here we see the, the benefit that God searches and knows our hearts. Because when He searches our hearts... The Holy Spirit is able to lift our concerns, lift our prayers before the Father. You may not know what to pray for, and yet in the midst of that, we have the Holy Spirit who speaks to the Father. He is articulating to the Father what you and I don't know how to say. Isn't that amazing? We have an intercessor on both sides, in our hearts in heaven. And really, the bottom line, what is the ultimate request of the believer? I don't know what to pray for, but ultimately, the bottom line is I want to be with Christ. I want to be like Christ. And the suffering and the dilemmas before us, Lord, how do I honor You? How do I live well before you? How do I think thoughts after you? How do I serve you with a full heart? How do I not hold too tightly to the things of this passing world? Bring me nearer to home, Father. Verse 27, He who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because these are the prayers and intercession of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit Himself groaning these prayers. The Father meets the prayers of His Spirit with understanding. Isn't that amazing? he, He understands and comprehends the prayers of our hearts. He also gives approval. Because it is the Holy Spirit... Who brings them to the Father. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? How about that? I mean, when there are even times when we think, I just said that prayer really well. Have you had those moments? I have. I'm a pastor and it's one of the things you're supposed to do whenever I go to lunch at somebody's house. Pastor, you're here, you pray. And I'm on the spot. I better pray a good one so everybody will be impressed. There can be times like that when you say, I I articulated that prayer really well. But then you sometimes wonder, but did God really understand all that I meant there? 
Did I really understand what I just said? And if he does understand, will he approve my prayers? And yet here, not when we're at our best, but when we're at our weakest, when we are in the midst of our weakness, when we aren't doing well, when we don't even know what to say, what does the Holy Spirit do? He unties the knots of our incoherence. And he, re- he presents the requests of our hearts before the Father. And the Father hears those prayers. He comprehends those prayers. And he receives those prayers. Have you ever imagined the grace of God being as deep as that? The Holy Spirit holds us up and helps us in our weakness. Helps us in our prayers. Again, we live in a creation that groans. We live in bodies that groan. But one day those groans will be no more. There will be no need for groaning. The former things will have passed away and Jesus Christ will come and take His people home in their glorified, resurrected bodies. This is a sure and certain hope for those who share in the suffering of Christ. Because we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. But in the meantime, as we long for that day, as we know I'm not really home yet, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Interceding for us according to the will of God, especially when we do not know what to pray for as we ought. In the midst of our troubled days, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our weakness, in those times you probably don't even understand yourself, God continues to search your heart, gives His Spirit to dwell in you, and to intercede with groanings to the Son of God who stands stands for us before the throne of heaven. Boy, does God love His people. Which brings us to our third observation here. The work of the Spirit in our hearts groaning with prayers when we don't know how to pray or what to pray shows us our our adoption as sons and daughters of God. I actually get this from Martin Lloyd-Jones who uh, argues that in these two verses, verses 26 and 27, Uh, show proof of our adoption to God through Jesus Christ. And I've been thinking about this, and of course, you know, you tread lightly if you're going to disagree with Martin Lloyd-Jones, so I'm not going to here, but what what a privilege it is to have the Spirit's help to pray. And this is something that belongs to believers alone. It doesn't belong to those who are not in Christ. This belongs only to those who are brought to the Father in Jesus Christ. Romans 8.15 tells us, You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit brings us to God so we can call Him Father. This is the spirit of grace that God gives to us. And when you look at this and you see this interaction between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and and how He works for us in our weakness. 
we see the, there's a real closeness, isn't there? There's a real intimacy between God and his people. I just, I just marvel at the thought, how is it even possible that God would even have the patience to des- and the desire even? Why would he even want to search my heart? And then to give us his spirit to articulate what I can't even say. I think about that because many of us hardly have time to spare just a few minutes to listen to someone else, much less know what they're really saying. Okay, I got you, I got you. And you move on and you forget. Why would God be so patient with me? He is God. I am not. I am weak and low. I was thinking about you know, a picture of this, and I was picturing the love of a father towards his child who has something that he wants to say. The child has something he wants to say, but doesn't yet have the language to say it. Or doesn't have yet the the emotional and mental capacity to articulate it. But there's something there in the child's heart. And instead of the father saying, speak up, son, or just come back to me whenever you figure it out, instead sits down, looks the child in his eyes, and starts asking questions. To understand, to clarify, to piece together what the child is trying to say. Taking time to be there, to be with the child and hear and comprehend. I mean, who would you do that for? Honestly. You would only do that for someone you really, really love. For most of us, anyway. It can be so busy... It can be hard to give this kind of attention to most people. We have important things that we have to do. Of course we do. Yet here's God, the creator of heaven and earth, who upholds the universe by, by the word of his power. He gives us his spirit so that he himself can hear, understand, and receive the prayers that you don't know how to say. We ought to know how to say them, but we don't. And God says, I'm giving you my spirit because I want to hear your prayers. I have your intercessor in heaven. I have an intercessor in your heart. You are my child, and I love you, and I want to know your heart. Now again, if you were here last week, and it's okay if you weren't, but you may remember that what Paul is addressing right now in this passage in Romans 8, at this point, is the issue of suffering that believers in Christ endure in this world. We might want to hear the Apostle Paul tell us, okay, tell us how to overcome this suffering. Tell us how to get out of this mire that I find myself in. Give me some instructions, Lord. Give me the, the 12 steps or whatever to alleviate and relieve my suffering. Give me the exercise tips so I won't be weak anymore. But that's not what the Apostle Paul gives us here. What he gives us is so much better than that tells us God is giving you himself. 
He is present with you and in you by His Holy Spirit. And He understands and articulates the parts of our hearts that we ourselves don't fully understand. And that the, the parts of our hearts that we don't know how to articulate. And in this, He is making you more like our Savior. He is preparing you and bringing you closer and closer to that day of glory when we will have the fullness and complete adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The Holy Spirit assures us of this, this this hope that we have, this comfort in the midst of our sorrows. Do you have this comfort? Will you be there on that day when Christ returns and he's gathering the believers, all believers to himself? Will you be with him in glory? If you don't know, what do you, you might want to know, what do I need to do to be there? To be found in Christ on the day of his return? There's some good news for you. There's nothing to do except to receive Jesus Christ. Receive Him as your only hope before God. As the Apostle John tells us, to all who receive Him, who believe in His name, are given the right to become children of God. Christian, be encouraged. If you don't know Christ, if you don't have this privilege, receive Christ and trust in Him alone. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that You would strike our hearts with awe, the depths of grace and love that You have for Your own. Even in the midst of our greatest suffering, we are not alone. You are with us. You search our hearts even when we don't understand them ourselves. Because you love us. So draw us near to you. Fill our hearts with the hope of the glory of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.